This podcast is hosted by RPP. The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device. Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do. Because the government was also freaked out about the movies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession. Meanwhile, as she's on top of him squeezing his throat, she's screaming, who sent him here? And they started to move towards her really fast. What are these? Australian aliens. Okay, should we start? Mm, yep. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. We're back. Whoa. Oh, 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 oh. We're back. Oh, we're in your ear holes. <laughs> hey, Fridgies, we're back. I'm Gemma. I'm Esther. And this is, I think, my fridge is haunted. Yay. A very fr- creepy fog podcast. <laughs> A very f- creepy podcast. For very this. <laughs> Peaky f- people. For very, f- for very peaky freakle. Okay. <laughs> a very creepy podcast. Oh I, I literally can't even say it. She's having a stroke. A very creepy podcast for very creepy people. You have to leave it in, okay? No, yeah, I Don't will. edit that out. I, I would have put it in uh, bloopers anyway. I'll probably just No, keep, keep it, it at start. Okay, oh, no, I will. God. <laughs> got to be professional. We came 199 in, in Poland, remember? We got to st- we got to keep our position in Poland. Yes. We have to. Uh so how have you have you been? We're out of lockdown. Everyone else in the world has gone back into lockdown. We're out of lockdown yes. and we're now like the example for the rest of the world to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't trust anything or anyone at the moment. I don't know. I don't really You're a molder. I'm a what? From the X-Files, trust no one. Oh, yeah. True. True, true, true. Mm. Um, yes. Um, look, I took for granted sitting around doing nothing for, what was it, eight months? Because now I am fully booked every minute of my day. I have not had one second to do anything. So I miss not being mm-hmm. at work. Do you know, it's interesting. Um, as soon as we came out of lockdown, everything just went from zero to 100, didn't it? Totally. It completely went back to oh what it was before. Oh, my God. It's Great, and I haven't even started performing yet. Right wow. now, I'm just working and studying and moving house, and yeah, it's been a nightmare, Jill. A lot going on. A yep. lot going on. Uh, so let's talk about um, hot drug addicted wives. Okay, so now I need to clarify <laughs> something. I posted a funny meme on Facebook that was sh- sarcastic, and I've got people messaging me being like. No, 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 no. I don't think it was disturbing. sarcastic. I, I read it. Okay, it was one Wait, of those... Wait, no, like, let me describe it for the audience. Sure. It's been shared from the page Jesus Hates the Pot. And that's not a pot belly, it's pot the weed. Okay? <laughs> so our first comic strip is a man drinking coffee while his wife is doing the dishes and he said, uh, he thinks in his head... No, he's saying out loud, sorry. I'm in love with another woman. Let's get divorced. And then she goes, I've been waiting for this conversation. I'll give you a divorce. And they're kind of like, just looking at each other. It's quite sad. Mm. And then she says, but this situation will be stressful for our son. That's why I have one condition. 
What is the condition? I'm thinking the punchline's coming. No, it's, it keeps going. And then she says, let's wait a month. I'll prepare him. So as the audience, we're going, what's she going to do? Okay, next Shit's slide. about to get real. The husband's still sitting there drinking his tea, being like, fuck, what have I got myself into? She then says, and during this month, I want you to carry me in your arms out of the bedroom every day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wasn't meant to be sexual. But is it? We don't know. Well, yeah, that's it. Chris has left the room. She's actually, she's. It's really noisy out there, out in the, in the station. <laughs> we'll wait. Back to the podcast. And then he says, okay, but only because of our son. You know, I don't. Oh, fuck, Chris. Get <laughs> oh, in. Quickly, quickly. <laughs> I'm getting into character. I'm playing a divorcee. Well, wait, I don't need to get in a character for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mess. Okay. <laughs> then the husband's sitting there and he goes, okay, but only because of our son, I know I don't love you anymore. Oh, I read that weird. Day one. And the next slide is him carrying the wife. Don't you roll your eyes at me. Him carrying the wife out of the door and they're kind of giving each other side eye. Um the little boy goes, yay, dad is carrying mom in his arms. And he's clapping. Day three. See, we're, yeah. we're skipping a bit. We don't. He's still carrying her in his arms and she's wearing a loose pony now. She's feeling a bit more free. Okay. Yeah, he does. It, he has less bags under his eyes. Day five. He's holding her again. And um, the kid's like, mom's wasted again. Yeah. And he's picturing <laughs> the day of their wedding. Right. right, and it's like, ooh. Day 30. Memories. Day 30. She's looking in the mirror at herself and she goes, I've lost a lot of weight. <gasps> What's happening? Mm. And then the next slide is the husband in the car and he's on the phone and he says, Hi, I've decided I do not want a divorce. I realised that I loved my wife. We have to cut off. All communication forever. Now, I don't know who he's talking angel. to. Is he talking to his boss? No, is no he that's talking- the girlfriend. Oh. He said at the start. He said, I've oh. met someone else. Oh, he did? Right, okay. I'm not invested. Right. Off. Then there's a. Then there's another slide of him being in a flower shop and he says, write on the card. He's buying flowers. He's saying to the little man, write on the card, I'll carry you in my arms all my life. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Then the dad's getting home and he has the bouquet of flowers and the boy is crying and the boy's saying, Dad, mommy is dot, dot, dot. And he opens the door and the mum's dead, right, in her bed. She's green. Her skin tone is green. And there's, she's left a note. And the note says, my dearest husband, I'm sorry to leave you this way. However, I am a pot drug addict. Pot drug addict. The doctor told me I had 30 days to live. Thank you for making my last days memorable. Your wife, Susan. <laughs> and then it's got the, fa- the boy and the, the dad looking at her grave. Now, the moral of the story. This is the worst story ever, but one that is too common. Please stop using the pot before it's too late. Okay, let's deconstruct this. What do you think? I think um, I think they're telling the truth. I think he was a wanker for having an affair and making her last 30 days bollocks. Um, I think that pot, if, if, any, if we've got any influential, influential, influen- easily influenced 
listeners and they're going, oh my God, I smoked a little doobie on the weekend. I've got 30 days to live. Don't worry. It's fine. You will not die. <laughs> so is the quotation marks doctor saying she's only got 30 days to live because she smoked a doob or she has a really severe form of cancer and he said, I think you should smoke some doobs. It's going to make things easier. No, I think she smoked a little, a little J and when the husband said, I'm in love with another woman and now she's got 30 days to live and that's why she's like, you know what, just carry me out of my bedroom every morning. Because she is wasted. Oh. Because oh. <laughs> she's been up all night in a beanbag. Eating chips and watching Wayne's World. Look, I don't know about you. I don't watch Wayne's World. I I get in deep into like YouTube conspiracy. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I get deep. I try to scare myself. I'm like, all right, let's watch the scariest thing I can while I'm feeling a little bit spacey and just see what happens tonight. So you don't really go down the airheads kind of nineties. No, no, girl. I'm like, movie. I'm gonna watch a French. Gore porn. No. no, it's not porn. It's what is it called? Gore porn. Yeah, hor- like body horror. Yeah, give me all that revenge <laughs> porn. That's what I love. You're revenge just wasting porn. a good time. <laughs> no, I'm actually not. <laughs> On the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, um, it's not going to kill you. Don't do meth. Don't right? don't do meth. Don't do we meth. Don't condone meth. But, but if um, you're stressed, I'll leave it up to you. Uh, not saying don't do don't do meth. Do something else. I'm not allowed to. This is a public radio station. I'm not going to go anywhere anymore. Yeah, actually, you're right. <laughs> First episode that, back. Time to get that meow noise back in. Meow. Okay. So- oh. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I was also going to say, um, how is it that that crazy Instagram? Um, uh, account that you sent me that has the pictures of the dead people. Yeah. And it's like, do you know this person? Yeah, it's really, it's quite sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, some of them are really heartbreaking, but it's really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's based in New York and it's just um, photos of like deceased people. A lot of them are homeless, a lot of them are foreign um, or they've died by without family, like they've died in their homes and they just... They, don't, they have no identification on them. Yeah. And they'll post their face and then they'll post like their jewellery they're wearing or like a tattoo. And it's really interesting. See, yeah. my Instagram feed is a mix of performing um, cats and dead people. Mm-hmm. So I have to be careful where I'm looking at my Instagram just in case something pops up. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. <laughs> Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. Do you want to go first? Yes. Okay, go. Um, I just finished watching the new Borat movie. Oh okay. I, I, I'm, I'm holding off. I'm kind of making excuses not to watch it. Now, <laughs> I was a big fan of the first Borat. Mm-hmm, me too. My dad took me to the cinema as a kid and we sat in the front row. It was me and my sister. I would have been maybe 13. She was about 10. And it was – it awakened my – that's probably the moment I, my queerness came in because I'm like, men are kind of a little bit gross. <laughs> Especially him. Especially him and his mate. He's horrid. Now, this one was really – it was the same. It was, it was great. I fucking love Borat. Mm. He's, Sasha Baron Cohen is so 
clever. He's really clever. And he's actually a really good, serious actor as he's well. He's incredible. I, I adore him. Mm-hmm. And he, he does this shit because he knows he, – he, I mean, it's all about reaction, but it's also like he puts himself in such horrible situations only around people that – it wouldn't be I don't like like okay this this current movie it has Trump in it it has the coronavirus it's very recent oh, it's really recent wow yeah so he goes to Trump rallies dressed as Trump and it is insane okay <laughs> I mean he he sort of sparks a lot of discussion he's, even though it's comedy he's great I love him anyway there's a scene right at the end of the film I'm not going to give anything away if you guys want to see it warning I watched it with my mum. Um, it's a weird one to watch with your parents, <laughs> but it's great. Do it. Okay. Now there's a scene where he is with the ex mayor, former New York city mayor, Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani, right now. That's a race. There's you've, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you'll know. Um, if you've seen the photo of that fat little white man who he looks like his hair is leaking. Yes. <laughs> He's sweating brown. Yes. Yeah, that's him. Anyway, there's a scene in that film where um, this actress in the movie who's playing Borat's daughter, she in the storyline she's told to hook up with him, right? Okay. And he actually goes along with it oh and How it's real. In the movie, she's 15. But in real life, I think she's 24. Oh, my God. But he knows that she's no. young. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. He thinks that he's young. He, she's young and he's like, he cool, thinks that and she's a 15-year-old girl from Kazakhstan. And he's easily 60? And there are cameras filming the whole thing. And you see it in the movie. And I thought it was acted. Like, I thought he was in on it. Mm-mm. Not, guys. It's true. So he's an idiot. Borat is approved. Like, it is legit. Wow. A lot of the... St- Yep, I was just amazed. It's not really a fact, I just thought. It's well, an, it is a fact. It's a hard, cold fact. It's an opinion from the freezer. Yeah, it's an opinion from the freezer. We accept those two. Thank you. Cool. Your go. Thank you. Uh, have you ever, Esther, wondered about what's the fastest bus in the world? <laughs> um, the one with <laughs> Keanu Reeves in it. Yeah. Apart from that one. Um, <laughs> Apart from the one from Speed. So... The fastest bus in the world. A dude from the US called Paul Stender and a team of engineers called the Indie Boys. They've basically, they got this yellow American school bus. You know, those real traditional yeah, school buses. Yeah, they're awesome, cool looking ones. They put a jet engine in it. Great. <laughs> and it set the fastest speed ever recorded by a bus. It went 590 kilometers per hour and it sends out like 20 meters of fire behind what? it yeah it's classic is there a video uh there's a hang on no don't play it now there's no point no, 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 no one no. can see it i want to show you the photo though okay. just to get re- we'll reaction. describe it for the listeners oh wow yeah it, okay so it's a yellow bus <laughs> with red flames painted flames on it and it has like <laughs> volcanic fire coming from its ass crazy so he says um i built the bus for two reasons the first is to entertain people because come on it's a jet bus the second is to inspire kids to keep away from drugs whoa that makes no sense he said it's important for them to have an active hobby and creative interests to keep busy and keep away from bad rocket bus that's why we wrote our motto on the side of the bus jets are hot 
drugs or not. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a like, you remember being in high school and having like, like the, the, cause I went to a Christian school. I mentioned this in every episode that I go to a Christian school, but um, they'd get like the cool kid, the cool older past, past students come in and be like, with Jesus Christ, I learned to better myself. Now I'm into hip hop and it's all like positive rap and shit. Yeah. Or forget sport. Finance is cool. Yeah. That, that's what that is. And I hate it, but the bus is cool. Who's going to go first? Um. What's your... Uh. Well, I told Chris I had a WTF true crime. And right. she said, aren't all your true crimes WTF? That's true. I'm going to go first because mine won't leave as much razzle-dazzle as yours. How do you know? Because mine's not tr- Mine has no category. Okay. No category. No, I haven't written anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> now, my sources... The Rolling Stone magazine and Vintage News. Cool. And I had a few requests from to do this one. So All right. It was actually – it's very out of my repertoire because I'm not very knowledgeable about music. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm just going to do – um. oh, I should have done Britney Spears, but that's another day. That's we another conspiracy totally day. We can totally go into that at some point, Britney. I'm doing the 27 Club. Do it. Wow, cool. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Heck yes. Okay, I, I was waiting for like more of a, I'm like, I'm trying to read your reaction. No, I know about the 27. Good. Yeah. If you guys don't, it's very hard to research, turns out. Really? It's quite confusing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> this one is for anyone who does or does not know about the 27 Club, which covers that, covers every, all of you. Because you're either going to know about it or you're not going to know about it. So let's party. (laughs) All right. The 27 Club has become one of the most elusive and weirdly tragic coincidences in rock and roll history. The term became widely known after Kurt Cobain's death in 1994, with music fans linking his age to that of Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Brian Jones and Jimi Hendrix. Though it was not... Though... Sorry. Though... God, I haven't... Spoken to a microphone for a while, guys. You're going to have to give me a little chance. All right. I'm forgetting how to talk. Though it was notable to fans in the early 1970s when those four died within just two years of each other. When Amy Winehouse passed away at age 27 in 2011. Shit. 2011? Was it 2011? I've done a whole piece piece on her. It was 2009 or 11. One of those. Anyway, we'll get to her. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. Don't haunt me. No, do. Actually, I want to meet a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it concerned even more attention to the significance of the age. While the club has been largely connected to musicians, it has expanded since as many young actors and artists have lost their lives due to everything from addiction to suicide to freak accidents. Here are some of the weird and untimely losses connected to the 27 Club. One of the Delta Blues' most celebrated talents, Robert Johnson, recorded chilling songs about hellhounds, the devil, and general despair through blues music, Mm -hmm. the likes of which have echoed through rock and roll for decades. He recorded less than 50 songs, including ones later covered by Cream, aka Crossroad Blues, Captain Beefheart, 
Terraplane Blues, and the Rolling Stones, Love and, Va- Love and Vain, Stop Breaking Down, and performed alongside the likes of Howlin' Wolf, Elmer James, Memphis Slim, as he rose to fame. In August 1938, just a few months after his 27th birthday, Johnson was performing at a roadhouse, drank from an open bottle of whiskey he was offered, and died three days later of stichy... Chris, what does that say? Strychnine. Oh, strychnine. What's strychnine? It's a poison. Someone poisoned him. (laughs) It's a poison. And pneumonia. He also died of pneumonia. Wow. Sorry, I'm not laughing at his death. I'm laughing at my pronunciation. He's buried in an unmarked grave in Mississippi. Now, Johnson did something that has made him, in my opinion, more famous within the spooky world. He made a pact with the devil. Mm -hmm. And this is what kind of triggered the 27 Club. It's very rock and roll. It's really cool. Not the deaths, the devil. Um... As a young man from Mississippi, aspiring to be humanity's greatest ever guitar player and desperate because he didn't feel he was even close, Johnson apparently met Satan at a crossroad where he offered his soul in exchange for extraordinary talent and ultimately an exit from his pitiful life. Now, after he did that, he obviously rose to like crazy amounts of fame in his time. And the thing that was so while like that didn't really make sense to people was he came from a tiny little town he only had I think he only knew how to play a few chords and then after he made that pact he started telling people I made a pact with the devil he even wrote a song and one of the lyrics says something like I made a pact with the devil Mm -hmm. he just was able to write this incredible music with no like real lessons there was no obviously back in the 30s um he wasn't able to go on YouTube or go in different towns and look at other musicians. Mm-hmm. He just – it just came to him. Wow. So that's when people were like, mm, it's a bit just weird. mouth. Yep. All right. Brian Jones, singer in the Rolling Stones, died at age 27 due to a mix of drugs, alcohol and swimming. But those closest to him think that his death didn't make sense and it didn't add up. Okay. Which, look, fair enough. Drinking and drugs in a pool probably it's don't go well. It's but your closest friends know you. Maybe he's a really good swimmer. Not that day he wasn't, though. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to... the first day back. We're okay. Fuck. We're okay. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll get there. Yeah. <clears throat> Next in line is Alan Wilson, guitarist of Canned Heat, famous for playing at Woodstock in 1969. He died at the age of 27, with his body found deceased in a yard in 1970. His hands were crossed over his chest, and there, was a, there were sedatives that he had overdosed with. Cause of death was an accidental overdose, but it was also believed it was suicide. So he sort of posed himself after he... Yeah. What did you say, in a car park? No, in a yard. In a yard. Yeah, with his arms crossed over his chest. Wow. Which is very rock and roll. I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, knowing my luck, I'll I'll die on the toilet, like Elvis, like Elvis, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully Trump. <laughs> Next one, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Now he overdosed on sleeping pills in 1970, also at the age of 27, on nine tablets, and one of these. So half of this tablet that he overdosed with could have put an adult male to sleep. He had nine. Holy cow! And he had mixed that with drinking. Yeah. 
So this is when people started to go, what? Because people just, these super talented artists just kept dying at the age of 27, all within 1970. Do they think that was suicide, like intentional? Or do they think that he was just, maybe he was ADHD and he was just like so hyperactive. It was like, I got to come down. I don't know. Like there's so many, you could go down so many rabbit holes. Like um, maybe he was frustrated at being exhausted. Maybe it was suicide. Maybe he was so I don't know when people take so many drugs it starts to where the effect starts to wear off so maybe that you know it was like, like a, a cocktail yeah you know you I have no idea wow no idea in 1970 again Janis Joplin died at 27 a that wo- was a huge loss as yeah, well like imagine what she'd one. be doing if she was still around totally now this one's this is I thought was like a really interesting it, it was very poetic how she died. Mm. Um, one of her last songs she ever wrote or sang, sorry, was called A Woman Left Lonely. Um, and it was about her knowing that her boyfriend was taking her for granted. At around 1am on October 4th, 1970, she got her heroin kit out and injected a vein in her left arm. Then she went to the cigarette machine in the hotel lobby returning to her room with a pack. She closed the door, started to undress and reached to put her packet on the nightstand. As she did so, she kneeled over, hitting her face on the table as she fell to the floor where she was found dead the next day. So it was the head injury that killed her or? Yeah, I, th- I th- well, the head injury contributed to it. I wow. think she was, well, she was on heroin, number one. Mm. Yeah, so it would have been That's really the heroin sad. and then the head trauma. That's really sad. Yeah, it's fucked. Next up is Jim Morrison, dying at the age of 27, obviously. Part of the cult of Jim was the coincidence of him dying at the same time, same age as Brian, Jimmy and Janice. The 27 link helped reinforce the idea that Jim had been special, that his death was fated. Um, that there was something weird going on. The fact that Jim's girlfriend had died at the same age underlined the weirdness of the coincidence. It must have been kind of like like people, like fans of rock and roll back then, must have been like, what is going on? It like, would have been a all heavy our favorite, year. Like all the biggest rock and roll yeah, musicians are going one by one by one. It's crazy. It's But it happens every year. Usually, usually isn't it like three massive celebrities die and it's always like. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, you're always waiting. Like, oh god, we've had two now. It's I. Ca- I can't even tell you who's died this year because there's been so much shit. But like, I remember when Graham Garden from the Goodies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> someone else died the other week, didn't they? I can't remember. Um, some guy. Sean from- Connery. Oh yeah, it was him. Yeah. 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 Next one, Ron Pigpen McKernan, member of the Grateful Dead, died at the age of 27 in his apartment with his body being found two days later. Dave Zander Alexander. What year was that one? Um, I did not write. I apologize. No, that's cool. It was around 1970 though. Dave Zander Alexander, member of the Stooges, died in 1975 after many health issues contributed to his lungs filling up with fluid. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, there's... There's a lot. I left people out because there were so many. Wow. There were so many. Pete Ham, member of the band Badfinger, joined the 27 Club after he met bandmate in a pub near his home in England on the evening of April 24th, 1975, three days before his 28th birthday, and told him, don't worry, I know a way out. Drunk, 
He went back to his home, wrote a note in which he expressed his bitterness towards his manager and hanged himself in his garage. What? Yeah. Next is Jean Michael Basquiat, successful artist in his 20s. Is that how I say it? Jean-Michel Basquiat. Fuck. Can you edit that part out of me not saying it? <laughs> you need to listen to the Jean-Michel Basquiat um, episode of uh, Oh For Art's Sake. They did oh, a really whoops. good episode okay. on him. Sorry, guys. He's I've been meaning to listen to you. I just... Go watch the movie Basquiat. Fuck. It's freaking amazing. It'll be one of your favourite movies. Right. He's amazing. You sound so good when you say that. Say it again. Jean-Michel Basquiat. <laughs> so good. He's amazing. He's like... Oh, so good. Yeah, it's amazing. Damn it. You would love his stuff. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Oh, I do love his stuff. It's very pretty. Uh, it's not pretty. No, I'm <laughs> digging a hole. No, it's very cool. It's very it's cool. Edgy. <laughs> it's edgy. It's very New York. He was a successful artist in his 20s and after dropping out of high school, the self-taught Brooklyn-born neo-expressionist artists became famous for their incredible pieces, eventually working alongside Andy Warhol, dating Madonna, working alongside Blondie, but he died at the age of 27 after mixing too many drugs. He was quoted as shooting a hundred bags of heroin a day. Who has the time? Who, who survives that? He had like, he was- 100 a, bags of heroin a day. That's, well, how big are the bags? Um, I don't know, heroin bag size? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me. I don't know. How big are the heroin bags? The little, the little like- Baggies, baggies. baggies, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> nuts. You, that's like a full time job. That's like having two jobs. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could probably do about eight jobs, but just heroin doesn't make you go fast, does it? No, that's that's. Uh, I think that's it's a coke. Sleep, I think it's a sleepy one. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I haven't done heroin, so don't look at me. And it's not on my list. That's Remember, guys, the speed bus. What was it? Fast bus, don't do jet bus. Oh, um, don't do drugs. Do space. I don't know. Buses are fast. Drugs are bad. Right. I can't remember. Hang on. That's uh, the name of our jet. episode. Buses are fast. Don't do drugs. Yeah. Jets are hot. Drugs are not. Do that one. Woo-hoo! Jets are hot. Drugs are not. <laughs> but Basquiat was a really tragic figure. Like he was yeah. super misunderstood. He just like he was just. Creativity personified. All artists, am I right? Man. (laughs) Rock and roll, as the kids say. It's us. (laughs) Next one. Now, this one's really sad, and I want to cover her in a future episode. Just her case. So grunge queen and lead singer of the band Gits, Mia Zapata, mm, yes. joined the 27 Club in 1993. We've been asked to do this one, This case we? is crazy. Yeah, yeah, this is really sad. She was found severely beaten, raped and strangled to death. Um, grunge celebrities like Nirvana and Pearl Jam helped raise thousands. Sorry, are you covering yourself in oil right now? She's putting oil on her hands. <laughs> Grunge celebrities like Nirvana and Pearl Jam helped raise thousands of dollars to hire a private investigator to look for her murderer, who was not found and convicted until 2003. That's nuts. Yes. We have to do this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Now, the one you've all been waiting for. One of the most famous and probably who most of you have been waiting for. That's what I wrote in my my notes. (laughs) (laughs) It's the death of Kurt Cobain. Oh, now, I thought you were going to say Amy. 
No, sorry. It's Kurt. <laughs> no, no, no. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> now, um, we're good. I want to do a site. I want to do a whole story in Kurt Cobain because there's such a conspiracy theory. Mm. I, I get into arguments with people about this and the, um, the articles I was reading, I was getting all this info from, they were like, it's obviously a suicide. It, you can't debate that it's, it's not a suicide. I'm like, well, you can actually. Yeah, I mean, there is certain things <laughs> that certain don't line points up. Of, points of the death that you are just kind of like, eh, actually, it's a little weird. It is. I don't have an opinion on it. I think it's, I think it's odd. Yes. And I don't know what happened. Um, I don't know what happened either, but I don't think it have was. Have you seen the documentary Kurt and Courtney by um, No, but Nick Broomfield? I've listened. The last podcast do like a three piece on Kirk Cobain oh, and cool, they go into right. every okay. detail. Right. Like the way the gun was positioned, it didn't yeah. make sense. Like it was between his feet. Yeah. Like that sort oh, of shit. You can't, it it's doesn't line up. Cause it was a shotgun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was really long, really long. It was between his feet. Like how do you shoot yourself from your feet when you're, you know, with a shotgun? Come yeah. on. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, he died in 1994 and it was discovered by an electrician. Next one is oh this one is sad, Jonathan Brandis, who He's was not a rock star but no, he is a famous person. He is, he is. I thought it was sad because he was he played Bill Denborough from the nineteen ninety TV miniseries of Stephen King's It, which is yes. my favorite. Which yeah. one is that? The older brother or younger brother or someone else? Yeah, remember in the miniseries the the young um, Bill Denborough. So yeah, the older one oh. that makes the boat. Right. Yeah, yeah. With the stutter. Yep. That yeah. was him. That was him. Okay. He had a huge, yeah, had like really pretty blue eyes. Mm. Um, now, his life, after it, he got into a TV show that gave him quite a bit of fame. He was quite like the celebrity. He was like a little Justin Bieber. Like all the girls yeah, loved him. Yeah, he was. But then when he started to grow into his 20s, he could not get any gigs. He, he got um, cast in this one show that they cut all his scenes. And he um, ended up hanging himself at the age of 27 in 2003 because he could not get gigs. I remember he was in a show. It was like a science fiction show set under the sea for a while. Yeah, that that was... That was one of the shows he was in. He wasn't Can't in a lot. What it was called though. Yeah, it was, uh, and it had um, the lead guy from Jaws in it. Yes, lead guy from Jaws. Okay, in um, the shark, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He worked with the shark. In t- 2011, Amy Winehouse died in her London home from drinking too much alcohol, which I actually didn't know that was how she died. Well, the thing about her was. That she had gone clean for a few months. Right. Yeah, they said it was just... And she had gone off to like, I think it was Barbados and she was Mm. at this um, resort and she was detoxing and everyone was like, Amy's really cleaning herself up. She's looking great. She's got rid of that idiot that that she was with for ages and she was, I think she was with somebody else. And then she came back and I guess she she, she just kind of um, thought she could get back into the substance abuse that she used to be involved with and she was so thin oh yeah she wouldn't she was so skinny. it would have just so i think it was just too much for her body and yeah um, she probably just had some away. kind of heart failure or something yeah yeah crazy but um yeah 
a lot of people like, whoa, it's it's such a spooky the twenty seven club. It's such a spooky thing. But like scientists have been like, it, there's nothing spooky about it because you know if you got a group of people, a huge group of people, most people die at around I don't know sometime in their fifties, late fifties. Mm. You don't go around saying, oh, fifty seven is the spooky club, but it's because there is so many deaths of famous people all hitting 27. It was tied with the Devil's Crossroads. Yeah. Um, it's young. I mean, it's not and like we young. like, oh, the 92 I'm 27 club. next year. Someone's joined the 92 club. I've only got three more months because I'm so talented and successful. You're almost 27. Yes. Watch out. I know, right? <laughs> Watch out, gossip magazines. I'm coming. I don't want li- lilies at my funeral. I want cacti. <laughs> <laughs> Like in 2021, STN from the podcast, I think my fridge is launched. From Mount Martha, died on the toilet. Uh, from drinking too much diet. Your cult. <laughs> Your cult. Her IBS <laughs> finally did it. It got her revenge. true crime so let me tell you the story of vince lee and the greyhound bus attack oh yes 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 chris you're gonna hate this one i'm sorry sorry this one's like sorry in advance oh my god so my sources were the national post wikipedia the fifth estate on youtube uh and there were a couple of um Podcast that I want to shout out as, as well. JD Horror from um, True Crime Horror Story. He did this on one of his Patreon episodes. And also um, Cambo from up in, I think he's from Sydney, True Crime Island, cool. did it as well. So let's, first of all, I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Tim McLean. Tim is 22 at the time of this incident, which is in 2008. Um, he is from Winnipeg in Canada, although he grew up in a neighbouring farming community called Eli. And he was described as a really social person who can talk to anyone and he really enjoyed being around people. So this documentary that I watched on YouTube is called The Fifth Estate um, and it's kind of a true crime sort of documentary show. It's kind of like 2020. So one of his friends on this documentary called Tiffany she mentioned how you could just leave Tim at a party for a few minutes and when you get back, he's besties with everyone that he's just met. Mm. So we liked Tim. Tim is a good guy. So in 2008, he is working for a travelling carnival. And from what I've read, he was a really well-liked guy among the people that he works with. The documentary kept on sort of calling them Oh, well, a few sources kept on calling them carnies. I don't know if that's mm, a... Derogatory. I don't know if that's <clears throat> derogatory. I don't think... It, no, it is? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. Maybe I'll meow it out. Nah. Nah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. He's I, a I carnival guess it, worker. Well, it's not like calling them gypsies. Because that's bad. Yeah. I mean, he... I think he just kind of like um, manned the... Uh, you know the shoot the ducks. Well, what do they call? What do they call janitors? What's this? That's cleaner. No, what's like a derogatory term for a janitor? A shit shit cleaner. That's what I am. 
I get offended if someone calls me a shit cleaner. Okay. I prefer a shite cleaner. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a day. Right. It's been a day. So um, Tiffany, his mate, she kind of gets in the job. She tells him, look, pack a bag. We're going off to work for a while. I'm not sure how long we're going to be gone. Just pack a bag. And um, he ends up going to work for the carnival. Cool. The team travels together and parties together and they make really good money and then they party it all away and then they make more money. So it's kind of the job, I guess, like... It's know, like a um, like a, a traveller would do. Yeah, yeah. Like a temp type thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like you're just moving through town, so you're just like, yeah. Pretty much. Um, so they're, they're making good memories, having a great time. And sometimes... Tim films himself and his work friends traveling. They go by ferry and buses and he kind of documents their way and that kind of thing. He loved to travel. So I suppose he was well suited to working for a job that moved from place to place. He has no problem traveling cheap, like on buses and trains. He's not like a diva like that about flying places. Just he's super chill. Mm. So at this point, he goes off to work in a carnival that's based in Edmonton which is two states over in Alberta. Yeah. So I had my Google Maps out again throughout this entire story because it's all about buses going from this place mm. to this place. So it's quite a long way. It's like going east. So it's kind of like in Australian terms, it's like us driving to Queensland. Oh, yeah. Except going straight across instead of up. So what? Going to Alice Springs? Yeah, probably that, that far. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a way. It's quite a way. It takes 18 hours anyway, this mm, bus. Gross. It takes a long time. But the Greyhound buses are like renowned for for being really long, but really like yeah, I mean, money efficient. They're really affordable. Yeah, affordable. Yeah. Um, anyway, so during the tour, the carnival tour, he decides, you know what? I'm going to settle in one place. I'm going to, I'm just going to settle in one place and figure out what I want to do. So he says that he's going to settle in British Columbia, which is on the east coast of Canada. So instead of travelling with the carnival crew to the next stop, he decides he's actually going to get the bus all the way back to Winnipeg and then make preparations for his big move to British Columbia. His friends actually offered to chip in to buy him a plane ticket, but Tim, good old Tim, He's like, no, nah, it's cool. I'm just going to get the bus. Mm. So he sounds like he'd love Australia, actually. He sounds like he would love, like, mm. backpacking here. Yeah. Like, I can see him totally, you know, doing the East Coast here or something. So let's get to the day when this incident happens. It's July 30th, 2008. Tim is on his Greyhound bus. It's the type of journey that stops every so often to pick people up and it just allows them just enough time to sort of get a snack. Mm. I guess they probably, you know, just stop at sort of truck stops and just... Yeah, well, they have designated Greyhound bus terminals. I guess so. Mm. Yeah. Think, like Richard Ramirez kind of made Greyhound He famous. was all about the Greyhound, wasn't he? Yeah, he yes. was big with Greyhound. And then, then when this case happened... Now this has made Greyhound even more infamous. So he's chilling out. He's listening to music. He's taking naps. And that's where we're going to leave Tim for the moment. 
Let's go back a day or two and we're going to talk about a guy named Vincent Lee. Vincent Lee was born in Dandong in China on April 30, 1968. He actually graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology and he ended up working in Beijing for a few years as a software engineer. Wow. So, smart guy. Even though his English was not that good, Lee left China for Canada in 2001 where he lived with his wife Anna who worked as a waitress, and he got his citizenship in 2006. But he didn't have a lot of success in Canada, actually, even though he was a software engineer. He ended up just sort of um, working smaller sort of jobs, like delivering newspapers. He worked at a fast food restaurant. He worked at Walmart. He worked as a forklift driver for a little while. People said he, um, people that he worked with said that he didn't show any signs of anger but he was fired from Walmart after having some sort of disagreement with some other people that worked there. He moved over to Edmonton in 2006. So Edmonton, so Edmonton, Winnipeg, 18-hour mm-hmm. bus drive. God, that's so gross. he was in Winnipeg. Then he moved to Edmonton. So back to the story. Back to July 2008. Vince Lee was planning to take the Greyhound bus from Edmonton to Winnipeg. And then he was going to take another bus a further eight or nine hours over to the coast to a place called Thunder Bay. I don't know why he was doing this, whether he was moving or just going to get a job or whatever. Mm. I don't know what he was doing. But he gets off a few hours outside of Winnipeg in a small town called Erickson, but he doesn't go anywhere. He sits on a bench outside a grocery store with a couple of bags and his laptop and he just stares. So this is Vincent. This is Vincent mm. from China. How long He's does just... he sit out there for, do you know? Well, mm. a teenager called Darren Beatty notices Vincent sitting on this bench while Darren's getting petrol. I'm not sure if whether Darren was like working at the petrol station or is just getting petrol, whatever. He's like 15. I'd anyway. be worried if he was getting petrol. Do 15-year-olds... I don't know what the rules are in Canada. Oh, it's in Canada now. God. It's Ameri- always been in Canada. Right, I thought it was America. No, Sorry. we've always been in America. In Canada. Is, they both... So close. <laughs> so I don't know Canada. Um, yeah, this is why I had to get Google Maps mm. out, because I'm like, okay, I'm figuring this out. I should have printed out the map. I'm really sorry. God damn it, Jeff. So Darren, the teenager, he notices Vincent uh, while he's getting petrol, and then the next morning... Vincent's still there on the park bench staring. And Darren notices Mm. that in the morning when he sees him, Vince has put his laptop sort of up, like kind of on the pavement, and he's put a sign on it saying for sale $600. So Darren goes up to Vincent and he's like, I want to buy your laptop, but I don't have that much money. So Vincent asks how much Darren has, and he's like, 60 bucks. Oh, what a... And Vincent agrees to sell it to him. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> he wants that laptop gone. Yeah. He says if Darren wants the laptop bag too, it'll be extra. But Darren's like... <laughs> the bag will be $540. $540. The <laughs> <laughs> so Darren's like, don't worry, dude. I'm just going to take the laptop. See ya. So Vincent then decides to get back on a bus. He's like, I've sat on this bench. I've sold my laptop, getting back on a bus. It turns out the reason Vince was sitting on the bench was that he was getting messages from God. Mm. 
in his words. He was waiting for a message to tell him what to do next. When no message came to him, he decided to get on the next Greyhound bus and head to the next location. Maybe he was going to get a message over there. Yeah, maybe there's more brain reception over there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So Vinsley was carrying like a duffel bag and he sold his laptop. So he's traveling pretty light at this point. What no one knew was that he was also carrying a hunting knife. Mm. So he gets on service 1170. Oh no, little Chris. Oh, bless your heart. She's like shrinking into her jacket. So a lot of people were just chilling out on the bus because they've been traveling cross country. They're just listening to some tunes. And there's also a movie playing on the TV screen at the front of the bus. And the movie is this makes no difference to the story but the movie was mask of zorro you know Antonio uh, i really wanted to know what movie it was <laughs> i remember when my primary school took us for an excursion to canberra and they um they nominated me to bring the movies for the boss oh I, no girl, i bought the, the most exorcist. inappropriate <laughs> i bought like I think I made – these are primary school kids. I made them watch Scary Movie 3, which has, like, <laughs> real inappropriate shit. Real inappropriate shit. Did you ever see Kung Pao? Don't think so. Oh, my God. So funny. Oh, white chicks. No, Scary Movie 3 was definitely not what you show, like. Is that the one where they make fun of signs? Yeah, it's the ones where, like, one. Michael Jackson is, like – And it like, starts out with um, the ring with – are you okay? And she's got this like no bitch head. messed up my carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing like talking about periods and fucking and it's terrible. Not for kids. Anyway. <laughs> well, they're watching The Mask of Zorro. <laughs> so this guy is on the bus called Stephen Allison and he's there traveling with his wife. There are two other passengers on the bus and they were sitting near the back of the bus. Just to give you an idea, Stephen looks like kind of like a metal dude. Um, He's got long ginger hair. He's got like a goatee. Um, Stephen's good. Across the row from them was a vacant seat. Then at the window seat is our friend Tim McLean. Mm -hmm. We're back at Tim. We're back at Tim. The bus stops for a snack break in a a town called Brandon after an hour or so. And um, Vince had got on the bus um, and he sat at the front. Mm -hmm. Um, But after their little snack break, Vince, you know how like, you know, if you're on like a long bus journey, you go back to your seat. Yeah, of course. You've got your seat. And, And it's horrible when someone sits in your seat. It's weird. It puts like massive anxiety. It's like, yeah. Well, Vince decides he's not going to sit in his original seat at the front. And he walks up the aisle and he looks at every person individually as he's walking up the aisle. And just to give you a better picture as well, he's constantly wearing sunglasses. Mm. Uh, Stephen has a bad impression of Vince when he sees him. Stephen's the gingerhead metal dude. Mm. He feels really uncomfortable around this guy and he kind of keeps an eye on him, but he doesn't really interact with him in any way because he doesn't want Lee to be that weird guy that turns on him and his wife. Yeah. But he's got an idea that, you know, maybe if he looked at this guy wrong, like he might do something weird. Well, he's stuck in a a cube, a moving rectangle for 18 hours. You don't want to cause conflict. It's like, you know. Yeah. So... Vince finally gets up to the back of the bus, gets to their row, and he decides to sit next to Tim because there's that free seat. Mm. 
and it's the second row from the back of the bus. Stephen notices that Vince is constantly holding onto this bottle, I think it's of water or iced tea, Mm. and he's also clutching a roll of toilet paper. Oh, God. And he said that, like, he wouldn't let go of this roll of toilet paper, and even when he goes to unscrew the bottle of iced tea... He's still holding the toilet paper. He puts it underneath his chin and holds it under his chin while he takes a drink. What? Random. So by this time, it's getting late and it's getting dark outside and the bus is heading towards Winnipeg. I think they're about a couple of hours away. Mm. They're not that far away. Kaylee Shaw is another passenger. She's um, a young chick, maybe early 20s. She's been on the bus all day. She's super tired and she's sitting sort of closer to the front near the middle of the bus. She's listening to her MP3 player because it's 2008, mm. and she sees Stephen, metal dude, yep. running down the aisle of the bus, yelling, stop the bus, someone's getting stabbed. Fuck. And then she hears screaming from the back of the bus, and in a few seconds there's just chaos everywhere. So if you think about it, it'd be pretty crazy. Like You're waking up, like it's dark, you're having mm. a peaceful journey, you're just listening to some tunes, and all of a sudden there's just like screaming confusion and people like trying to get off the bus. What had happened just a minute before was Stephen looking across the row and he looks at Vince and Vince Lee is taking out a hunting knife out of his bag and he takes it out of its sheath And he looks straight at Stephen. Whoa. And then Stephen thinks Vince is going to attack him. But instead, Vince looks towards Tim, who is sleeping next to him, and he just starts repeatedly stabbing him. Stephen gets up and starts yelling to the driver, pull over. And I guess his first impulse is to just run down the aisle. Mm. He's yelling at people to get off the bus. The bus pulls over and Stephen realises his wife's still at the back of the bus. Oh, my God, you left your wife? Yes, this is the thing. So the wife is still in in the seat right at the back, so he has to get back to the back of the bus, but people are, like, crowding the aisle. So Kaylee, who was in the middle, she says she could hear Tim screaming as he's being stabbed. Hmm. So... The bus pulls over and Stephen – oh, yeah, I've already said that. So the bus has pulled over and Kaylee says she could hear Tim screaming as he's being stabbed. Also at the back of the bus, behind Tim's seat, is a woman with her little boy. Mm. So Tim, as he's getting stabbed, he's climbed over Vince and he's fallen into the aisle. But Vince just doesn't stop. It's like it's a frenzy. Like he just yep. keeps stabbing. Do we know how many, like, puncture wounds there were? Well, Stephen gets his wife and the woman and the kid and they have to climb over the seats to get out. And I guess, like, Vince is, like, kind of oblivious because he's in a frenzy at this point. Yeah, yeah. And Stephen said that at this point Tim's been stabbed around 60 times. Right. But I think at the end it's, like, 120 or something. Mm. So Stephen says at this point... People were really freaking out. They've started to cry. And some people were being, like, physically sick as oh, well. Oh, would be. Yeah. One of the other passengers said 
There was no rage or anything. He was like a robot stabbing the guy. But the worst was yet to come. Trigger warning. Trigger warning, extreme violence. There was a truck driver heading home on the road and he notices that this bus has pulled over and people are running like Mm. away from the bus. So his name is Chris Alguire and he pulls his truck over and he hears a woman yelling, somebody's being stabbed to death on the bus. So this guy, Chris, he gets into his truck, he grabs a piece of metal and he and another guy run to the bus. They get on the bus and he has, they see Vince Mm. and he has a blank look on his face and he's just now, he's gone into like, He's done killing, he's done overkilling, he's now mutilating the body. Wow. Chris and the other guy watched Vince Lee cut Tim's head off and he carried it towards them with the head in one hand Mm. and the knife in the other hand and he's walking towards them. So they turn around, they get off the bus and according to one story I heard, he tries to get off the bus as well but they close the door on him. So he goes back to Tim's body. The other passengers can see him inside the bus walking up and down the aisle with the head. Whoa. He's also got a pair of scissors from somewhere. I'm not clear on where they came from. I guess they were in his bag. And he starts destroying the body with the scissors Mm. as well. So by this time, the RCMP have finally arrived. So we've talked about the RCMP before, the Royal Royal. Canadian Mounted Police. Um, but they don't actually do a great deal. This is so weird. And later this caused, like, court cases, mm. protests, all sorts of things. Chris, the truck driver, is asking one of the officers to do something. He wanted to know why they can't just fill the bus with tear gas or something. They didn't do anything. They didn't open fire because they have this preservation of life policy. Yeah, the Mounties are quite different to... A lot of other Western cops, aren't they? I guess there's. I suppose they they were. What is it? They they see themselves as selves as like all cops are meant to see themselves as servants of the community, but the Mounties are like on a different level. There's like a whole other. I don't know much about them, but there there's a whole the they're so different to normal police officers. Mm. There's just a whole different it's mentality the, the, going on yeah, there. Yeah, the training is, like, really mm. different. Yeah. So the RCMP, while they're outside the bus, they're communicating to each other sort of via walkie-talkie, and they use the code name Badger for Vince Lee. Some of the comments recorded by officers were, Badger appears to be a six-foot-tall Asian male with short dark hair, black T-shirt, armed with a knife right now. Another comment was, Badger is armed with a knife and a pair of scissors and is defiling the body at the front of the bus as we speak. And then another comment was, Badger's at the back of the bus, um, hacking off pieces and eating it. Yeah. And this goes on for four hours. So they just let him... Do it. They just let him do his thing. I wonder if there's any photos from the actual scene. Oh, probably. I'm going to Google it. Vince Lee finally tries to jump out of a window of the bus. He tries to break a window and jump out of it. And then 
Finally, they've got him. They hit him twice with a taser. They handcuff him. They put him in a police car. So then the forensics team goes into the bus. It's now morning. And they're faced with just pieces of this body just all over the bus. However, Tim's ear, nose and tongue were found in Lee's pockets. They never found Tim's eyes. They presumed that Lee had eaten mm. them. And he also ate part of his heart as well. Wow, he dug deep. He went all in. The worst part is that his parents found out about the tragedy from the media, not the police. They were watching the story on the news and because Tim hadn't been identified yet, his mum actually prayed for the victim and their family. How sad is that? Oh, that's so upsetting. It was later when Tim's name was released that they found out, basically online. Later, Tim's stepmom asked an acquaintance who was the medical examiner if there was any way Tim's dad could see the body and say goodbye. Mm, You wouldn't want to. And the answer was no. And she said, can we just even touch his hand or his foot? Mm. And she was like, no. There's like nothing. God. So let's go back to Vince Lee. Vince Lee said later in his mental health assessment that God told him his life was in danger and that someone was out to kill him. After he killed Tim, God was telling him he would come back to life unless he made sure he was really dead, which is why people believe uh, Lee mutilated him so severely. Mm. He said, I am the evil son of an evil God. God chose me as the killer. He chose Tim McLean as the victim. When asked why Tim, he said he didn't know. And then he said God controls all people for his own reasons. Um, he completely owned up to what he did. And he also said that God told him he had to kill himself. He presumed that he would be executed. And he was really mm. upset when he found out that there was no death penalty in Canada. Yeah. It took 19 mental health assessment appointments to determine Lee's mental state and he was diagnosed as schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. The psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Yaron, said Lee had been previously hospitalised in around 2003 or 2004 after an undisclosed incident with the police. Lee's trial started a few months later on March 3rd, 2009. Lee pled not criminally responsible Mm. on account of mental disorder. So um, his trial was like eight months later, Mm. seven months, I think, which is pretty short. That's not long, hey. Usually it's a couple of years for a murder trial. But I guess because it was so – everyone knew he did it, he said he did it, Mm. multiple witnesses, I suppose it was – It's interesting – yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Plus, because it would be in the media so much. May, I don't know. Yeah. You know, that stuff taints jury pools and you know what I mean? I'm not even sure they needed a jury. No. Well, that's a thing. That's a thing. According to Wikipedia, the psychiatrist said that Lee attacked him because God's voice told him... Oh, my him God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> God's voice told him that Tim was a force of evil and he was about to execute him. So he believed it was a case of kill or be killed. Um, I also heard him talking about aliens as well. Mm. Um, 
or I read about him talking about aliens. The judge ruled that Lee was not criminally responsible for the killing and ordered him to be sent to Selkirk Mental Health Centre, where he stayed until February 2017 when he left the hospital care and now lives independently. Wow. So he's out. He's out. He changed his name and he's out. Wow. Four years after the tragedy and medicated for his mental condition, he said, I try to forget it. I feel nervous. I feel painful. I am embarrassed. It was wrong. I would do anything for their family. I would ask forgiveness, but I know it would be hard to accept. He also said the RCMP should have killed him that day. Mm. Uh, the passengers on the bus, as well as Tim's friends and family, were devastated by the crime and uh, many were unable to overcome what they saw on that night. Um, the, I know the truck driver didn't go back to truck driving. People had to change their jobs. Oh, they, those people would be suffering from severe PTSD. Yeah. The, the, the girl, I think her name was Kelsey or Casey. Mm. She sued and another passenger sued uh, Greyhound for what they witnessed. Oh, that's a weird... They dropped their case, but, yeah, they wanted, like, a couple of million dollars oh, or something like that. Of course, there's someone that's, like, blame the bus company for someone who's unmedicated, yeah, severely I mean, schizophrenic. You know, things could things like this could happen anywhere, at the mm. beach, in exactly. a restaurant, whatever. But that is the story of Vince Lee and the Greyhound bus attack. It's heavy. That's a. That, it's great. It's heavy. It's mm. very sad, and mental health should be taken very seriously. So, what do you think as far as the mental health issue is concerned? Do you think he needs to be locked up forever and ever, or well, do you think he's been rehabilitated? See, it's hard to it's hard to say because if he were to get off his meds, would he go backwards and have such extreme, you know, delusions and? violence Mm -hmm. or is he genuinely sorry I mean uh, and rehabilitated and is he are they making sure to do mental health checks and making sure that he's having his depots and his medication you know like it's sad he there think of god who who was the serial killer that was oh like was it Dharma Chase yeah Chase uh, but remember, been, he was supposed to be on loads of meds. But. There's been a whole heap of cases where people, if they had had help before this whole thing comes to a huge fucking climax, yeah. you know? Like, yep. he, he, he was – this guy was educated. Not that that has anything to do with it, but still he had, like – the he he got degrees. He, he was able to get a, you know, a certificate. Really good job. So yeah, it's it's this is it's super common. Schizophrenia can just pop up like it, it can come just randomly, mm-hmm. you know. Once someone is is an adult, it's yeah. it sucks. It's really sad. Schizophrenia is horrible, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can never. I don't think you can take people for face value if they're like, "I'm sorry." I regret this because yeah, it. it was such a violent... Who knows? I mean, you know... You any could, it's easy to say that. It is easy to fake yeah. being sorry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I guess, look, being Canada, who are renowned for having a good health system, mm. you have to trust that they have made the right decision. They didn't even diagnose him over a short amount of time. That was 19 appointments that it took 
to really assess his mental health. Which is which is great. That's great. It's great. Um, yet they, they, they really took their time. So you have to sort of trust that they're um, taking the necessary steps to mm. make sure that this guy isn't... But I think he should be in a psych facility. I mean, it's a pretty extreme crime. Yeah. I don't think it's even classified as a crime, is it? Yeah, well, he murdered someone. Well, the, like, he, he was carrying a weapon, he was carrying two weapons, he... Cannibalism, everything. Well, it takes so many true. crimes, mutilation. But if is it a crime if you're mentally incapacitated? Isn't it more of a tragedy or an, or an incident? I think it could be. See, this is when the law shit gets involved. Yes, yeah. it's still a crime, but he cannot be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting. Um, conversation to have because yeah. by the end of researching it I did feel um I did kind of felt in a weird way I kind of felt sorry for him yeah for sure because it's like that lady down in Tukaruk who who murdered her son a couple of years ago do you remember that about three or four years ago mm, I think so because she had a, a psychotic episode and yeah. she thought he was like a demon or something yeah it's super common and then when she realized what she had done she went to prison and then she actually Killed herself. A lot of them do. So schizophrenia, you know, like schizophrenia. Um, God, what else? PTSD. You know, severe depression. There's the you can't lump it in and be like you're going to do crime if you have a severe mental illness. Obviously, but yeah, I think there's a fine line between. S- knowing someone like medicating people's patients that are mentally unstable and then kind of recognizing that they can have the ability to do something really violent Mm -hmm. and needing to be able to watch over that more closely and give them more opportunities to have safe havens for them to stay at, you know, like psych wards, a lot of the time people come in and they're really violent and then there's a 24 hour period where they're back on the streets you know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people have shit in their history. They have criminal records because they've done crime while they've been in a state of, I don't know, they're having like a an episode. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it needs to be monitored carefully. And it's a huge conversation, like massive um, conversation. You were to see Dixon, yeah, of course. I mean, her killer was. Quite mentally disturbed. Yeah, he. I mean, he had autism. Um, and I'll see, uh, there was a case. And he, see, and this is when it's so hard. It's so hard. There was a there was a kid at Padua two year, a year ago who murdered. He beat someone to death. Really? Yeah, he was in my sister's year. I don't know his name. He, he'd be about twenty four, but he murdered someone on the peninsula. I'm pretty sure. Really? I think it was on the peninsula, and he claimed to be mentally unsound because he was on antidepressants see that's when there's like a you have to be fucking careful i'm on antidepressants and i'm not going to go and kill someone mm. and claim to be insane yeah. but then someone like vincent lee and richard chase yes 100 percent 100 percent antidepressants that's it that seems like a pretty um... i've got a history of depression and and um 
you know, meds. It's wouldn't wouldn't the argument I'm not on antidepressants be a better argument? <laughs> no. Oh yeah, true. But no, as in like a history. He had a history of being on antidepressants. It was in his history. Okay. It, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Huge yeah, conversation. Guys. Um mental health people, matters. Mental health matters. And um people committing um homicide while they're having mental episodes, do they deserve to be locked up or do they deserve rehabilitation? Messages on Instagram. Yes, guys. Yes. Yeah, but this is a long episode. Um, glad you're all back. Hopefully you're still with us. Um, thank Happy you so much for listening. You guys are the titties. Yeah, pretty much. Welcome to season four. Welcome to season four. And we'll see you again next week. Until then, be creepy. But don't be a creep. No, I, I, I thought it was like I finished it and I was like, what? I, yeah, what? No. and then I thought, oh, it's the Christians. I the, think it's a joke. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's the Christians doing like I think their, it's a you know, like joke page. Beer makes you a lesbian witch. Oh, does it? You're fucked then. Don't you drink heaps of beer? No, not heaps. What do you drink? And see, Han says I'm a witch. She does. Well, the first thing she saw of you was you bringing a dead bird into the costume shop. I don't really blame her. <laughs>